You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, well, that's normally him, but not today. Today, we're going to go in a different direction. We're going to invite the host of Locked On BC, that's Boston College, one A.J. Black to join us today. As Alabama and Boston College have decided they want to renew uh, a rivalry from about 40 years ago or what will be 50 years ago when they actually play in, I think, 31 and 34, somewhere in that neighborhood. But uh, Alabama and Boston College have signed up to play a home-and-home, and and, uh, I'm getting a big kick out of it. So I thought it would be fun to have A.J. Black as a part of this podcast and just talk a little Boston College, get you ready for the big game in about 10 years. So, A.J., how you doing today, buddy? I'm great. I I could tell you right now when when the news hit about Alabama, you know, we've been hearing all this rumors of different uh, different possible uh, opponents that Boston College was going to play. And when it was when it was Bama, we're like, holy moly, that was not what we were expecting. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. um, It was strange to me, too. I'll tell you, I'm a guy. Um, if you ever watched Jerry Seinfeld show Seinfeld, uh, I don't know why I felt the need to tell you his full name. Um, but if you ever watched, if you ever watched Seinfeld, he had a great bit uh, on one of his uh, intros where he said, "You know, men don't care what's on TV; we only care what else is on TV." Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I am about football schedules. Like, I'm I'm already tired of the upcoming schedule. I want to know who's next. I want to know who's in 2022, 2023, 2024. And so I'm getting a real kick out of what Alabama's doing right now. They've signed up Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Ohio State, West Virginia, Wisconsin, uh, Florida State. We've signed up all those teams and now Boston College too. And I'm loving it. I just think it's fantastic. So I've always wanted Boston College to be back on the schedule because, I, I AJ, I'm not sure how old you are. I'm 48. and um, I'm right there with you. I'm not, I'm not 48, but I'm going to hit 40 this year. I dig it. So my thing is, I don't really remember Alabama and Boston College play. I mean, I wasn't an Alabama fan like I am now. So um, I've always said that would be so cool because, you know, Boston has a gazillion colleges in in it, Boston proper. And I think it'd be fun to go around there and tour around and and, uh, maybe check out a Red Sox game or something like that. So I think it's fantastic. Really fired up about it. Yeah. And from a Boston college perspective, when we saw that this was on there, you know, there's, you know, Boston college is you're up in the North, you know, college sports are not what it is down South because you get the Red Sox, you get the Patriots, Celtics, things like that around here. And those reign supreme. Right. But you get the diehard college fans. I mean, I have a ton of readers that are just like, you know, ride or die with Boston college, even though Boston college is not, you know, an upper echelon team, they, they really do buy into it. And I think, you know, there's all these different destination games that, that Boston college fans have always hoped for, you know, right. We have Clemson on the schedule every year and it's like a, it's like a rite of passage for the fans to head down to death Valley uh, at least, you know, once or twice during their lifetime. But now like we have Ohio state coming up Stanford and now to add Alabama on there, we get a, we get a good taste of, of a college atmosphere that's very different than up here in Boston. Yeah. And 
I didn't know you guys had Ohio State and Stanford. That's really cool. I've always thought yep. um, it, it's – I like the uh, the neutral site games. Alabama has um, – was the foundation for what Saban has done was ironically um, laid when Alabama beat the living heck out of Clemson in 2008 in Atlanta. And Alabama started playing all these neutral site games, mostly in Atlanta, um, where and Michigan was in Dallas, a USC was in Dallas. Uh, I think Louisville was in Orlando and, you know, they're fun and it's cool, but mm-hmm. there, it, it was, it's more of a novelty though. I'd like to do those like once every five years, the, the home at home thing is awesome. And I know the neutral site games made Alabama a lot of money and got a lot of notoriety, but there's just something about going to somebody's campus that is unique to college to me, college football, at least, there's nothing like the pageantry of college football. I mean, you can go, I've been to Rupp arena and it's really cool. And I love college basketball, but I got as, I had as much fun when I went to Commonwealth stadium and watched Alabama play Kentucky in football. So I'm saying there's something about college football that it's a whole weekend experience. College basketball is like, okay, you go there and you, you get there a little early and three hours tops and you're done college football. It's a whole day. So, I mean, you go to, people will be planning this Boston trip two years in advance. I mean, and just like you guys will be planning this trip to Tuscaloosa, you know, some will fly into Birmingham, some will yep. fly into Mobile, some will fly into uh, Atlanta and and sort of make a little tour of it and, and go check out the Bryant Museum and and really hit all the high spots and also soak in Bryant-Denny Stadium. And I, I just can't wait for it. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you totally nailed it on the head. And I think that's what people have been craving too. I think you're going to see the pageantry like fully on display because of 2020 with, with, with COVID, that was the piece that was missing a lot, you know, especially up in Massachusetts, we didn't have um, any fans at any of games. Jeff Halfley, our our head coach has talked about it, that, you know, he hasn't coached in front of a live audience at home yet. He just coached in front of cardboard cutouts and now he gets that chance. And I think fans are just craving that to come back and they are so pumped uh, for any news. So just to hear it, like, obviously a dynasty like Alabama to get that on the schedule, you know, I think fans, you know, the expectations, you know, obviously, you know, Bama has all their national championship. Boston college does not, but like just to have it, it seems like it's going to be a great experience for both teams. All right, AJ, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll uh, go a couple of segments. You ask me some Alabama stuff. I'll ask you some Boston college stuff. We'll see how it turns out. So we'll be back in just a second. All right, AJ, throw your Alabama questions at me, bro. All right. So I want to know a little bit about where this team is heading this year. Now, you know, I'm a New England guy. I am super pumped that Mac Jones was drafted by the Patriots. Um, I, you know, I thought he was a great fit for what Bill Belichick is going to do. But where is Alabama going to be at this year? Is is the train going to continue rolling through Tuscaloosa in 2021? I don't think there's any doubt. I write for the local paper here, and I predicted Alabama to win it again. And I know, I know I'm a homer. However, I don't think it's really homerism anymore if you pick Alabama to win it. I mean, it's more just smart money. And, um, look, this Alabama team does not have the same offense that they had last year. Uh, Mac Jones was uniquely accurate. Uh, Devontae Smith was a (laughs) – I want to say he was a generational receiver, but Alabama's had a lot of those lately. Um, then, then Najee Harris was a fantastic running back. I mean, Alabama's all-time leading rusher. Um, Jalen Waddle, just maybe the most electric and dynamic player in the country until he got hurt, and the offensive line was disgustingly good. 
So, yeah, the, the offense could theoretically take a step back and, and probably should. Mm-hmm. However, I, I would counter and say that the quarterback position didn't upgrade. I, I don't want to uh, mislead anybody. But in terms of playmaking ability from that lone singular position, it upgraded. Now, can uh, Bryce Young be as as uh, accurate as Mac Jones was? I Man, that's going to be hard to do. Mac Jones was on the money. Um, and he also, when he wasn't on the money, he had dudes that go get it. Alabama's got some uh, Frisbee kitchen dogs at receiver. There's no doubt about that. They're all inexperienced, just like the running backs. They've got a great running back room. My co-host on this podcast and I talk all the time that Alabama's running back room, though it's gotten a little lighter lately, a couple of guys who are down the depth chart have have entered the transfer portal. Um, We have now five running backs, all of them who we think have potential to be All-American. None of them have proven to be even so much as All-SEC. So I think that uh, that that's that's great and it's bad, uh, but the offensive line will be good again. They've got a definite first rounder uh, in Evan Neal on that line and some other guys that will be eventual first rounders as their uh, eligibilities run out. But the thing about Alabama this year that people are going to, uh, I think, appreciate is the defense. There's a kid named Will Anderson on this team, and Jimmy and I are both convinced, even though he's only a true sophomore, he's going to go down as one of the greats. Um, I mean, like – Saban has put out some dudes on defense, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and uh, Donta Hightower from you know New England yep. with the New England Patriots. Now um, he was a dude, a uh, Reuben Foster. I mean, just a lot, a lot of great, great players. Jonathan Allen, but I'm going to tell you this: Will Anderson cat, he led the nation in quarterback pressures as a true freshman um, on a team that already had a lot of you know stars on it. So it tells you that. He's just – he's tough to block, and um, I think he's going to be the real deal. I, I predict him to be the SEC Defensive Player of the Year this year and be wow. a consensus All-American. Yeah. Okay, so Boston College you know, in Alabama, they're going to play in 10 years. Uh, Nick Saban will probably be in his 80s, so most likely will not be the coach. I mean, you never know. He could He could last that long, but we don't know. If he retires, who would you be your prediction for, for the next head coach of Alabama? Okay, this uh, is a difficult question. First of all, Nick Saban did just sign a contract extension to 2028. I don't know if you saw that. Um, And he is also a cyborg. That's just my theory. I haven't been able to prove that. So I do think he might be able to do a Terminator style, go back in time or move forward in time. Uh, You'll re-energize, charge his batteries, whatever he does. He may be coaching until he's 168 years old. I'm not sure. Um, However, eventually he will quit coaching. But that's the thing that's scary about that is just like Bear Bryant, you know, Bear Bryant passed away months after he quit coaching. Right. I, I could see Nick Saban being in that same boat. I don't want to be so morbid about it, but he, his life is coaching and people can say, well, that's sad. It should, you know, people love to do different things. Nick Saban, all he wants to do is coach and recruit. That's what he wants to do. Um and make money. Those are the three things he loves to do in life. Uh, of course, he loves his family and loves all that stuff. But, you know, he, he likes this gives him so much purpose. You can just see it every day with him. Now, in terms of his successor, I think Dabo Sweeney was the smart money five years ago, maybe six years ago. I Dabo was at Alabama about when I was at Alabama. And I've gotten to uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Dabo a couple of times. And I do know a couple of friends of his pretty well. Um. It, I can see Dabo coming to Alabama, but Dabo is no spring chicken himself at this point. Right. Um, and 
you know, the, the new game is go out there and get the youngest up and comer. Right. So right. I say he's going to be around for another eight or nine years. Do I think Dabo's going to wait that long to get his shot at his alma mater, even though he grew up in Pelham, uh, loved the university, all those things? I don't think so. I think Dabo's kind of cut his own path. So if you take Dabo out of the equation, it becomes a crapshoot. And, yeah, there's some people that, uh, you know, still say Steve Sarkeesian. I don't think that'll happen. Um, he's at Texas. He's not leaving Texas to come to Alabama. I mean, he's, he's a West Coast guy. It doesn't even make sense. Um Boy, I, I'll tell you, it, I'm at a loss. I don't think it'll be Lane Kiffin. There's some folks that think it'll be Lane Kiffin. I have my own personal reasons why I don't think it'll be Lane Kiffin. I don't feel comfortable disclosing. Um, yep. But, you know, there are going to be a lot of ways to go um, because he's going to have that, – that Saban coaching tree is becoming loaded with a lot of branches and leaves now. So there'll be a lot of options but just like anytime you follow a legend, you don't want to follow a legend. You want to follow the legend, the guy who followed the legend, you know? Right. right. All right. So my final question for you, um, we'll just look at Alabama traditions. So, you know, fans for Boston College, the trip is down in 2034. What are some Alabama f- traditions on campus before a football game? You mentioned it's a big pageantry thing. What are what are some of the things that you would you sh- fans should look for when they head down to Tuscaloosa? Well, I would say this really about any Southeastern Conference uh, site, but particularly a place like Alabama, LSU, um, Georgia, all those for sure, that, man, just just get on campus. Just just get on campus. There will not be a stranger. Everybody will, will be happy to see you. All the tailgates will welcome you with open arms, and you'll see some of the, the most beautiful fraternity and sorority houses that you've ever seen in your life. You'll, you'll wonder – like what, what the hell is this? How, how did they have these houses? These, these are just frat houses and, and they're ridiculously nice. The campus is gorgeous. Um, and just, you know, soak in the stadium. You really can feel the history when you're on campus at Alabama. It, it sounds so strange to say, but get on the quad, you know, get a picture next to Denny chimes, all that good stuff. And, and again, it's just experiencing what Southerners deal with. And and we wear it like a badge of honor. I mean, I know that a lot of times folks make fun of the state of Alabama, state of Mississippi, you know, this is all they've got. And, but, you know, maybe maybe there's a hint of truth to that. At the same time, it may be all we got, but damn, we do it right, y'all. So, I mean, why don't you just come and be a part of it? All right, great. Well, thank you. And now you got to get a chance after the break to interview me. All right, AJ. I want to ask a few things about Boston College because, I mean, look, I I don't think I'm throwing any shade your way when I say, you know, it's not like Boston College is on the tip of everybody's tongue when it comes to college football. Right. But, you know, I could make the argument. And and I'm a fan who was at the second and 26 game to it to Devontae Smith, both as true freshmen against Georgia to win a national championship. It's one of the damnedest things I've ever seen in my life. I could tell you a story that takes an hour and a half about that. But I still remember where I was, what I was doing when I saw Flutie's Hail Mary. It it was, I I remember it vividly like it was yesterday, and I had no skin in the game. It's Boston College taking on Miami. I have, there's nothing for me to, to root for except for what happened, and it was awesome. And do you guys, I mean, how often do Boston College fans still talk about that play? 
I mean, when you walk to Alumni Stadium where Boston College plays, there's a giant Flutie statue, and it is in the the pose of him throwing the the Hail Mary <laughs> against Miami. So it happens quite a bit. And, you know, for a while there, Flutie was, like, everywhere. Like, he lives probably 25 minutes away from Boston College. And for a while, he would, like, you'd go to a, B- a BC basketball game, and the pep band would be playing, and who's playing drums is Doug Flutie because he's a musician, too. He's everywhere. Like, you you, he, you cannot escape Flutie when you go to a Boston College sporting event. Like, the, the, like every video package they play at Alumni Stadium – you know, the, everyone's still walking around in Flutie jerseys. I mean, for the last 15 years, up until three years ago, I think it was, there was a Flutie playing for Boston College. I mean, we had a we had his nephew playing up until 2016. Uh, and then, you know, his brother played, his other cousins played. So the, the, the Flutie name continues at Boston College. There's a little break right now, but I, I got a feeling it, it probably won't be there for very much longer. Yeah, it, it really is arguably – Boy, it's in the top five of most iconic plays to me in, yep. in college football history. Now, there will be some old timers who could probably remember something from the 60s or 70s. But see, that's I, I'm saying in my time of remembering college football, if you say name the best five plays you've seen uh, since following it, I, I'm putting that in there, right? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be one of the best, biggest plays. I mean, when you talk college football, like end of game plays, obviously like, I mean, you, you know, Devonta Smith's touchdown is getting up there now. I mean, you see that everywhere now, but I mean, Flutie, that, that, that is what everyone talks about. And it's still, it's almost 40 years later and it's still, it still holds. Okay. So what is keeping Boston college from being a perennial power? Is, is yep. it the lack of uh, enthusiasm about the program is it um, the fact that they're in the ACC now and, you know, they're so far up Northeast, it's almost like you can't develop a natural rival. What is it that keeps them? Because honestly, you're in Boston and I know it's not Boston. The high school in Boston scene may not produce a, a ton of five stars or anything, but boy, I mean, you have easy access to that campus, right? So, I mean, I just wonder what is it that keeps them, from being somebody, for, forget Alabama for a second, being a, uh, I don't know, a, a Florida State, a, a North Carolina, what's keeping them from that? This is me cracking my fingers as you ask the, the golden question that's going to get me going. Um, so <laughs> it's a bunch of different things, right? So you look back at 2007, 2008, that's when Matt Ryan was uh, at Boston College. Boston College was in the ACC championship two years in a row, right? When they entered the ACC, they were good. But then things completely fell apart. And how did that start? They had a coach, Jeff Jagosinski, who they fired for um, interviewing with the New York Jets. They were told he was told not to. And then he did that and he was fired. So the best coach that Boston College had in like the last 20 years, they fired him for something stupid that every coach does. They bring in a perennial uh, coordinator who'd been a coordinator at Boston College for like 25 years. He was terrible, Frank Spaziani. They fire him after a couple of years. And then we're talking about SEC crew here, bring in Steve Adazio, who was, you know, Florida's offensive coordinator. Um, he was fine-ish, <laughs> but nothing more than a 500 co- – uh, yeah, they called him seven-win Steve. He could never get – uh in a season more than seven wins um you 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 mentioned the guys being dudes that that gives bc fans um the chills because that was his slogan and at the end it was like grading listening to him say that 
Um, and it, he just, he couldn't, he couldn't put together a forward pass, uh, uh, any sort of passing offense. BC would just ground and pound. And then when they played better de- defenses, it just fell apart. So you had all these, like a string of coaches that just went nowhere. Then on top of that, BC fell woefully behind in facilities. Like you see all these nice facilities. You see what Clemson's doing. You see all, oh, yeah. we didn't have an, you know, we're up in new, uh, you know, in new England and we didn't have an indoor practice facility. We had oh, this man. thing called the bubble that they put over alumni stadium that when we had snow up in, in Massachusetts and we could get feet and feet of snow, it would collapse. <laughs> and yeah. so that is what they're showing recruits. And so we're falling, you know, like there's no facilities here. They, you know, everything is falling apart. We don't have practice facility. We don't have good weight rooms. We don't have anything on campus. So that all, like, it, it trickles down to the recruiting. We start losing games. All of these little things start to go together and put BC behind every other ACC school because they don't have what the other ACC schools do. Now, this started to change about four or five years ago with the hiring of uh, athletic Depart- uh, director Martin Jarman, who's now at UCLA. Nice young coach. I mean, young athletic director. He gets us the Fish Field House, which is our our indoor practice facility, which is gorgeous. They redo uh, the weight rooms. They re- they just announced a new uh, medical center for Boston College football. They're going to do a practice facility for basketball. So, like immediately, all these things are changing, right? So, Boston College then, uh, after a um, like fifth or sixth straight year with Steve Adazio winning six games, they fire him. And they bring in Jeff Halfley, who is the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. And he has brought to Boston College a real energy that Boston College has not had. Like he's, I think he's only a couple of years older than me, but he, he gets it. And his recruiting is improving. Like you should, like right now, BC has like a top 15 recruiting class in the class of 2022. You know, he's getting uh, more results on the field. He brought in Phil Dracovic, a blue chip quarterback from Notre Dame, who I think this year will probably be a top 10 quarterback in the country. So you're starting to see things start to roll around, but this is after years and years and years of BC being completely irrelevant. I know we still are, but I feel like Boston college is finally going in the right direction and could, you know, especially with the news today about the playoffs, I think Halfley is going to be a really good coach. And I think Boston College could get themselves to the point where they can contend in the ACC. They may never get up to where Clemson is, but they could be the number two or three school in in, uh, in the conference. I got you. Now, you brought up the playoffs. This is a uh, – look, I'm resigned to what it's going to be now. I know it's going to be 12 teams. See, I'm, I'm more a less is more guy. I, I was thought the BC BCS was fine. I, and I think four teams is fine because we saw last year, there really weren't four worthy teams. There might've been two and a half um, as Alabama dominated, uh, uh, dominated Notre Dame. And, and uh, then of course, Ohio state beat up on Clemson, even though I think that should have been closer. Um, so now we're going to have 12. I understand your take on it. And I think I know where you're going to go with it. I get it. Um, it makes some sense to me. My only caveat stabbing 12 teams would be, okay, if you're going to do this many teams, let's don't do automatic qualifiers. Why, why do we have to promise a bad conference champion gets in? That's always been my, um, my problem with NCAA basketball, that you, you play your conference tournament. If you win, you're in. Well, if you have a losing record and you win your tournament, you're in. 
something about that just rings very hollow to me and minimalizes the regular season. College football's always had the best regular season in sports. I don't think that's even debatable. I really don't. I mean, baseball right now, you, you could go over the month of June and it doesn't matter. You can easily get back in the thing. Uh, NFL football, shoot, uh, Washington football team went seven and nine last year, got in the playoffs. They hosted the eventual Super Bowl champions. Something's wrong with that system. So my point is they're always system flaws. And yep. if we're going to go to 12 teams, and that means we're going to have probably, you know, six to nine unworthy teams in usual years, then can we at least not have automatic qualifiers where uh, this past year an Oregon team that was ranked, what, number 20? They would have gotten in the playoffs over somebody who would be more deserving to be of those 12. Yeah, I mean – I, I get what you're saying. I, I think we come from different perspectives on this, right? Because you're coming from Alabama, you know, and, and a fan base and, and a program that is going to be in every year. Like as a Boston college fan, and I get it from a, like, you're going to look at it through an entire sports lens. Like last year I watched, I watched teams get fed to Bama and I saw like, do you really want to see like coastal Carolina lose by 60 to, to, to Saban? Uh, probably not, but it may mean something to that program that and like, we might not get that, but they may feel it. Um, so I see a piece of that, but, um, I get what you're saying. Cause like, you're right. Like the football stuff always confuses the hell out of me. Like watching Washington get, as you said, the home game, I was like, what, what? I don't get that. Like, I don't understand that piece, but and it's going to get that way with college football. Like you're going to get a team that's going to sneak in. That's going to get pasted because they're not that good. But I, you know, I think obviously what they're thinking right now is money. That's all this NCAA is about is money. And this is another way for them to churn out more television games for them to get more money. And I think that's why they they're pushing for it. You know, I do. And I guess the only thing I have, what's a hard time dealing with that is this, if it really is the money, then number one, let's let 2014, let's let everybody in. I mean, if, right. and because I was, on a, I was on a radio show earlier today and I was arguing my argument and I said, look, starting off, I said, look, I'm still going to watch college football. I'm not saying that if we do this, I'm giving up college football. That's stupid. I still love the sport more than anything. But at the same time, I, everybody tells me this is the best way to crown a champion. I disagree. I think the the current system is the way that really proves who's the best. And there is some subjectivity, of course. There's going to be subjectivity with 12. There's subjectivity in the NCAA tournament with 68 because the 69th team is pissed. And they also just sometimes seed so arbitrarily. And you're like, what? how are they a four seed and they're a nine seed? They played each other. The nine seed won twice and had a better record. How's that work? And so uh, it's, there's always going to be that. And yeah, again, I don't even – I don't mind the pastings like you talk about because Alabama has pasted uh, Notre Dame, Michigan State, some teams like that in the playoffs, and and, and that happened. That's going to happen anywhere. But my point is, I'm just um, I'm concerned that we're going to we we have to shoehorn a, a, a group of five team in when okay when central florida is undefeated yes i'm fine giving them one of the 12 spots i'm not fine giving them one of the four i'm fine giving them a 12 or one of the 12 or uh cincinnati i'm fine giving them one last year but i'm not super fine giving coastal carolina and cincinnati a, a shot at it last year i mean that 
let, let's get real. I mean, Coastal Carolina doesn't even – they don't have to do what LSU has to do or Boston College or anybody. It's, it's, it's apples and oranges. And so part of me says there should be another uh, champion somewhere, like another championship for schools like that. And maybe I've always been a proponent of, look, if we're really going to go this route, maybe the Power Five should break away with a Notre Dame or something and do their own thing. Um, because I also, I, having said all that, as an Alabama fan that has four kids, I'm going to tell you something. Everybody loves to say, get rid of the cupcake games. Get rid of the cupcake games. You know who doesn't want to get rid of the cupcake games? The cupcakes. They cupcakes, need the money. Absolutely. Yep. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, the cupcakes are like, y'all keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that's one of the things that I always hear on my site. Like, you know, when, when I released this, the scheduling news and, and sometimes I'd post like, you know, Boston college is scheduling UMass. Right. And that's for Boston college. UMass is terrible. You know, BC smokes them, but like for UMass, that's a big game for them. They need that money to, to fund their athletic departments and to, to get, you know, some of their smaller teams up and going. It's important for them. They can't, you, you can't have, you know, Boston College or Alabama, I mean, you, you could, but, you know, scheduling like Texas, Alabama, you know, Michigan and, and Ohio State, because you need to, the way the system works, you have to get those smaller schools in there. Otherwise, they're going to fold. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And, and and you're stealing scholarships away from somebody. And as I was talking, what I, I didn't finish my thought, but as an Alabama right. fan with four kids, you know, it's hard for me to take my whole family to a game if it's a big game because the tickets are a hundred dollars a piece. And that's if I don't get them scalped. Um, and then, you know, you buy everybody popcorn and hot dogs and drinks and, you know, you sneak a couple of miniatures in and you have to get there and park and the gas and the no, 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 All of a sudden you've spent $800 on a weekend. But if you go for Alabama against, you know, at Mercer, you can go with, with $200 and live like Kings and watch Alabama win, and the kids are happy. So I think there's a positive to that too. And, I, and I, like you guys with uh, with Massachusetts, I think it's the same way. So um, you know, in the end, I know it's a sticky wicket for everybody. I mean, some people think it's not going to be enough. Some people think it's too many. Um, but it it is what it is. And as I told the guys on the radio earlier today, look, I'm still going to watch a selection show. I'm still going to be excited when it comes out, and it's still going to be fun. Um, I just don't. The thing about college football that bothers me right now, the transfer portal has made it where it's effectively free agency, right? Um, Now we've expanded the playoffs and we're paying players and they're getting paid for endorsements. Man, that sounds like a lot like the NFL, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like I think the world of college sports is going to it's going to completely change in the next five years. We're going to between the transfer portals. You know, I I see what LeBron James does in basketball, right, with like the like coaxing other players to join him. We're going to be getting more and more of that in college sports where you're going to have a superstar that's going to try to get, hey, we need a running back over here. Why don't you, you know, this guy over here at Rice or whatever, what you're really good. Why don't you come over and play? And they're going to try to make super teams out of that. And there's nothing we can do about it because at, at this point they've given them carte blanche to do that. They're allowed to. Um, and that's kind of just where the sca- the landscape is. And I- I'm interested to see where this na- name, image, and likeness stuff is going to go because I, it seems like it's going to be the wild, wild west to me. They don't seem to have any clue how they're going to manage it. And I think that could be a major problem coming up. Yeah. And AJ, you know, every time there's a rule change lately, you know, I know for all sports are evolving. 
but they usually evolve at the typical pace. Uh, you know, evolution's slow, uh, it's methodical, but now we're evolving so quickly that we're doing some of this man-made stuff where it, you know, Miami is sinking into the ocean because <laughs> we've screwed up some stuff. I mean, now it naturally, it may have done it uh, on its own over a period of hundreds and hundreds of years, but we've kind of done some things that have um, exacerbated this system. Just like uh, think about the overreaction we had with the targeting, right? If yep. you target somebody in the second half of one game, they have to sit out the first half of the second game that had nothing to do with the first game, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. It's just stupid. Um, mm-hmm. And then now we're saying, okay, players need more power. So let's give them all the power. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That didn't work either. We can still give them some power and and not give them all the power because these kids are, in a lot of cases, 18, 17, 18, 19 years old. So they're not right. going to make great decisions. So what have we seen? We've already seen some kids who've entered the transfer portal, been at a school for three or four days going, I don't like this place either left again and then they're hung out to dry they don't have anywhere to go there's not a scholarship waiting anymore that's a problem yeah absolutely i I, the numbers are crazy between basketball and football the kids that are in the portal and i mean just from a boston college perspective just seeing you know some of our recruits that had entered the portal they've they just like you said they found nothing like they could have stayed at boston college and finished their their education but they must have had someone in their ear into the portal and now they're nowhere they have no they're not in school anymore and that stinks for them and it's 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 tough and they're gonna have to figure this stuff out and hopefully the kids will adapt too but it's it's a tough situation for this for the sport and you know i think it's going to be really interesting to figure out how they kind of navigate this so that they give kids rights but don't let them just kind of careen out of control which is what it seems like it's going right now Hey, Jay, buddy, man, we've never met before, never talked before, but I absolutely love this. Uh, This has inspired me to do this more often, and I appreciate your time so much tonight, my friend. All right. Hey, thanks for having me on anytime.